Welcome to Unity of Tucson. So I wanted to start today with, uh, with a quote from Emily Cady. She wrote this, We have come to a place now where our search for truth must no longer be for the rewards. It must, no longer, it must no longer be our seeking a creed to follow. It must be our living a life. We have come to a place now where our search for truth must no longer be for the rewards. It must no longer be our seeking a creed to follow. It must be our living a life. I have a... Um, relationship to this particular faith tradition, the new thought tradition, which is inclusive of unity and, you know, the path, I don't need to keep harping on the fact that I come from a different path, but it's all the same path. Um, new thought basically teaches two things. God is all there is, and it operates based on the law of cause and effect. Those are the two things fundamentally that we teach, and we have different ways of understanding that, and we have different approaches to the deepening, deepening of that understanding at our core. And one of the things that really drew me to the New Thought philosophy is that we do profess to not be rooted in dogma and creeds and things like that. And yet, we say that, but we can also find the places where we have created dogma and creeds around the approach to the philosophy. And so, my constant, my constant path is to be looking and saying and questioning and wondering, is this something that I have... That I'm, that I'm no longer willing to question, because that's what dogma is. It is when we step into that thing that we are no longer willing to question. In fact, I will find myself questioning the notion of God being all there is sometimes. Now, that may be shocking to people. But if it's something that we teach, if we say that God is all there is, and the universe, the expression, the forward momentum of this divine power is rooted in a law of cause and effect, I think we must continually question those things to understand their relevance and the truth to the expression of our own lives. It's something that I think is important. You know, ultimately, our work is to live the best expression and experience of life we can. That's what she's saying. We have come to a place now where our search for truth must no longer be for the rewards. It's not about getting to heaven. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's about understanding that as we accept that we are now in heaven, that we live the most magnificent life in the here and now, there is no place we are going to except that we are living a linear experience of time and space. But there is no destination. Our work is to be the most magnificent us we can be in the here and now moment. Why do we join together on Sundays? Why do we join together on Sundays? What is your purpose? What is it that we seek? What is it that you seek when you join here in this virtual? And yeah, we're virtual right now, but you're still connected if you're watching. Why do you continue to join on Sundays? Our search for truth must be for our living a life. Living life finding that spiritual motivation, that spirit impression that shows up as the expression of our lives. 
free in complete freedom. That's what I'm here to do. It's what I'm here to express. It's what I'm here to understand and know more deeply at all times. What is life? Life is the energy that propels form into action. At least that's how we define it. That's one of the ways we define life. It's one of the ways we can understand life. Life is that magnificent creative energy that is churning within each and every one of us that wants to be expressed in action. Now, life is infinite, and there is no thing that exists that is not part of infinite life. Now, we define life scientifically in a particular way, but I believe that everything has degrees of livingness. Everything has degrees of livingness. From the seemingly inanimate, you know, I could look at this, I could look at this piano and say that the, the things that make up this piano are inanimate. They, are, they, are, they have no life. Of course, the trees did once have life. <laughs> um, but at, the, at its core, if you break it down to the fundamental, the fundamentals, it's energy. At the core of all of it is energy, and energy is life. And so we perceive it as being devoid of life because it has a lesser, what we may call a deg lesser degree of livingness. And so our perception of it is that it is not alive. And then we can go through and say, well, as we expand the degrees of livingness and the understanding of the awareness of all things, the, the, the degree of awareness of things, that if we go to, say, the plant kingdom, they have a greater awareness in their understanding of life. And so as we expand awareness, we are understanding a greater degree of livingness. So the plants have a greater degree of awareness. And then we move to animals, which have an even greater degree of awareness. I, and, and I am of the mind that suggests that animals have self-awareness, which plants do not, I don't think, have self-awareness. I could be totally wrong in all of this. But my, I, I, I guarantee you, my cats, I have, I have pets, my cats have self-awareness. And um, I think what differentiates Anim like the, the animal kingdom from the human kingdom is that not only do we as human expressions of this divine energy have self-awareness, that our awareness expands, is expanded to understand that there is something beyond the self and that that is part of the evolution. And what that something is, I think, is deepening within each and every one of us through spiritual practice every single day, and that the goal of spiritual evolution is to ascend into what we call the Christ consciousness, to express and experience from that point of view of Christ consciousness, which is a divine life, that that is what I perceive, what I personally perceive right now as the highest degree of livingness, divine life, God life. Now, how, is, how do we accomplish this practically? How do we accomplish our propelling ourselves into, into evolution, spiritual evolution? How is that done practically? There are a couple statements that we make, and I think we often make them. And we don't even realize sometimes that we're making them. But anytime we say, I am, and whatever follows that, or I believe, and whatever follows that, we are creating a premise upon which 
the expression and experience of our life unfolds. And it is also that thing upon which we measure the quality of our lives. I am magnificent. I am magnificent, are you? You know, I, I utilize that as, a, as an affirmation every single day. I say to the camera on my midday mindful moment, you are love, you are light, you are life, you are magnificent. Do you have the capacity to say that about yourself? I am love, I am light, I am life, I am magnificent, and believe it, because that's the second part of that. I believe I am. And that belief is so fundamental to my expression that as I embody that belief, the quality of my life experience expands. And that's how we teach the creative process. We teach that the conditions, the expressions, and the experiences of our lives can be controlled through consciousness. What is the level of belief that you have? Just check in with yourself. You know, I've made a statement. We teach that the conditions of our lives can be controlled through consciousness. That, what that's saying is that everything that I experience, everything in my sphere of experience is rooted in my use of this infinite consciousness. And if I want something to shift in my life, that the way that I shift that thing in my life is through consciousness. So what is the level of belief that you have in support of this idea? Do you believe that you have control over the conditions of your life? A lot of us, I think, feel very much out of control right here and right now in this crazy world that we're living in, but you do have control. You have control. What is the source of this control? The source of this control is our superpower. And that superpower is love. Love is not something we possess. We equate a particular feeling and an emotion and you know, a mix of feelings and emotions with the construct of love, but love is even beyond that. It is the inherent animating energy from which all expression flows. That is our superpower. And when we are in alignment with the love at the core of all creation, the quality of our life expands. Love is the self-givingness of this divine power. Love is the self-givingness of God. Love is the self-givingness of the infinite source. And its result is all creation. Everything that exists is the result of the self-givingness of God to itself, from itself, and as itself to create. And so all that is, it's what, you know, I, I have introduced an idea to this community, and, you know, I know that people are wrestling with it. They're wrestling with this idea. But this is what I believe is the evolutionary step that new thought in, as a whole is taking. And that revolutionary idea is to say, I am God, we are God, because there can be nothing separate. I said it earlier. If God is infinite, then we cannot be separate from the infinite because then both God and we would be finite. 
So there can be nothing else. If we te- we teach that God is infinite, in fact, in all faith traditions, there is a there there is a conception that God is infinite, and so that's how I have chosen to understand it. Love is the active nature of God, that self-givingness of the Spirit, and its result is creation. Love is who we are at the core, the animating factor behind the form that is our expression. And because we are that very thing, we are imbued with the same capacity to create our lives. We are not relegated to being an automaton in this thing called life. All creation is always happening for each and every one of us at the individualized level, and that creation starts with, I am, whatever follows that is what you become. Or I believe, whatever follows that is what you become. So the question does then become, what are we creating? What are we creating as the outward expression of our lives? Those statements, I am and I believe, they are not only active at the level of awareness, Also very important to understand, they are not active only at the level of awareness. They are activated below the level of awareness as well in the subconscious mind. And those subconscious constructs are showing up as your life as well. So the power of the new thought philosophy is to say, I see what's happening in my life. I can look around and I can see what's happening in my life. And if I accept that all of this is a construct of what is happening in my mind, then if I do not like what I see, the thing that I must address is not that out there, it is that which is within. What have you so thoroughly embodied that the I am statement or the I believe statement has become automatic? Here's the good news about the automation. There is a great deal about our lives that we needn't ever worry about. You don't need to relearn in every instant moment how to keep the heart beating. You don't have to keep relearning how to breathe. You don't have to keep relearning how to do certain aspects of the life expression that you are. So that's the good news about the automation. The bad news is, if there is any bad news, The bad news is this. We can embody counterproductive ideas in our mind that continually show up as the form of our lives. You ever know anybody who walks around with a cloud hanging over their head? They're just kind of generally sad and depressed, and they can never seem to get past the stuff in their life that seems to keep dragging them down. Does anyone have that experience? I know, I'm asking the people who are in the room, and they're like, "Mm, do I answer? I don't know. It feels unusual because there's nobody in the room. Um, You know, we have, how do I, we have people in the world whose general demeanor is negative, and we have people in the world whose general demeanor is positive, and we have people in all aspects of the scale in between. The reason that our general demeanor is on any one side of, the, uh, of that scale or somewhere in the middle, it is rooted in those things that we have habitually impressed upon our creative source. 
So the activity of the mind is creating at all times, and it is either creating welcome circumstances or unwelcome circumstances. And here's the great news. We are not relegated to look out there and say, oh, I feel defeated by the circumstances. We are the ones who can do something about those circumstances. So let, get, let's, let's decide collectively today, as this spiritual family, let us collectively decide today that we are going to let go of any relegation in our own minds that we are limited in any capacity, let us begin to step forth with the notion that it's all good. No matter what the circumstances look like, it is all good. It is all unfolding perfectly, even when it seems that it is not. You are in charge of your mind. I am in charge of my mind, and that's such good news. It is easy to relegate our power to the circumstances. In fact, we live in a culture that encourages us to do that. It encourages us to look around and accept things as they are without teaching us that we are the agents for change of the circumstances. But it all has to begin with that which is within, first and foremost. One of my, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm going to go to my religious science uh, background, one of my favorite quotes of Dr. Ernest Holmes was, trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. In that, and the Fillmore's agreed with him, Emily Cady would, would have been right in alignment with this. All of it is to understand that as we take charge of our mind, we are creating the life we would like to experience and live. What's the difference between trained thought and untrained thought? The difference is this. It is deepening and embodying the knowing that we have the ultimate gift, and that gift is choice. That gift is choice. We live infinite lives of choice. We get to decide how we show up. We get to decide what we believe. We get to decide the truth of our expression and experience, all rooted into that first cause, which is our superpower, which is love. And if love is the creative nature, that superpower is working at all times. So choice is the gift, and it is activated by that superpower of love. Choice is the spark of life. Love is the illumination of that spark. We are always creating something. We are always in that state of cause for the stuff. <laughs> that almost came out wrong. For the stuff in our lives to be created. We are the cause. Our utilization of this infinite divine power at the individualized level is the thing that is creating no matter what. It is unceasing because creation never takes a break. Creation never gets tired and says, uh, you know what, I'm not going to create today. Whew, it's, I'm done for the day. But, you know, we can feel that way. But creation is happening even when we feel like we are done for the day. So the question becomes this. Are we active in the process of creation at all times in our lives? We can either direct the cause and have the desired effect, or we can let some unknown cause within us that we have embodied as a belief direct us into something undesired. Where do you choose to be to today? 
What would you do now if you knew that you could not fail in the magnificent creation of your life? Here's the truth. You are never failing at the magnificent creation of your life because you are consistently creating your life no matter what. It is always being created. The thing that we must address is the degree to which we are creating wanted circumstances or unwanted circumstances. You cannot fail, I believe, you cannot fail when you understand that you are the expression and fullness of love. You are a superhero whose superpower is love. You know the thing I love about superheroes? Superheroes rarely doubt their ability. They rarely doubt their ability in their superpower, but we doubt our ability in our superpower, which is love, expressed through choice. Superheroes simply use their ability. What if you lived a life that, in which you never doubted your ability? What dream would you choose to live? What dream would you choose to live? The only thing that is keeping you from living your dream, I believe, is doubt. Now, there'll be people who say, oh, well, you know, fear can keep me from living my dream, this, that, the other thing. But if you distill all of those excuses that we make for living, for the excuses we make that propel us into not living our dream, I think it all comes down to doubt. Doubt is the result of an untrained mind. And here's the good news. You have the power to overcome doubt because you are the power. That's the power. That is the understanding. That is, that, is, that is deepening into that statement, I am God. You are God. God never doubts. God understands its superpowered nature. And if that's who and what we are, then let us proceed forth. Your dreams are rooted in mind, the birthplace of all creation. Let us never doubt ever again that notion. You can have it all. I'm here to tell you that you can have it all because you are a superhero and your superpower is love. Namaste. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.